Ghosties. I'm Missy, here with my bestie Johnsy. Hey y'all. And welcome to our Toasted Shenanigans. How you doing over there? I'm doing. I'm liking this new setup. I know. My butt's all comfy. It's really comfy. Did, did you know this is actually a mattress that was in a box? Really? Yeah. We just chop it up and... Yep. I'll be damned. Your man can do anything. Just about. There's a few things he can't. I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now, but when it comes I was about to, to say I can't think of anything. <laughs> when it when it comes to making shit, yeah, he's pretty crafty. He's pretty crafty. He should work for Sienna. Kids would get some really bomb ass toys. They yeah. <laughs> Which is really ironic because everybody calls him an elf. <laughs> my brother calls him a Keebler elf. I don't know why he chose Keebler, but Everyone calls him an elf. He's got pointy ears. I mean, I can see it. Does he have pointy ears? He kind of has pointy ears. Now I gotta look. <laughs> <laughs> what you drinking? Um, something from the bottom of your fridge <laughs> <laughs> that was left over from you. Um, uh, Lagunitas, which I do like. It's called Hazy Wonder IPA, but I don't really care for it. But. It's okay. I I'll give it, I give it four and a half. But you you just said you, you liked it. I don't understand. No, I said I don't really care for it. I like Lagunitas. The oh, brand. you like the brand, just not that yeah, flavor. Yeah, I usually drink like a little something something by Lagunitas. Oh, okay, okay. But the this hazy wonders is not at the top of my list. What is this supposed to be flavored? Just an IPA. Yeah, it's just IPA. Hazy yet bright with dazzling hops. Ew. You want to try it just so nope. you can gag? No. Nope. Okay. What nope. you got? You know, I got I got mead again, but it's the one that you like. It's the missed opportunities. It's that dry kind of. Dark reddish. Yeah. They do make some good shit. Yeah. So that's what I have today. It was, again, something I just had in my fridge. I tried because we had lovely Queen Toasty on our live. Yes. Who gave a recommendation for a different Moscato. And I went to the store. I went to one store. So it's not even a full try to get it. But they didn't have it there. So I am going to still go on the hunt for it, Toasty Queen. Um, I will have it on one of these episodes, hopefully very soon. And if not, I'll order it online like everybody else does. Or we go on an adventure. I mean, I'm down for it. <laughs> Toasty Queen, if you're if you're listening to this, um, so tell us where you live, maybe, so if it's, like, a local to you. Yeah, message us privately. <laughs> yeah, message us privately on the Instagrams or the Facebooks or TikTok, wherever you want. We're on all of them. We're on all of them. Make sure you guys are following if you're not. Because you're slacker. Slacker. You're missing out on the lives. Mm-hmm. That was a really good live. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. That, that was, was a lot of fun. So come toasties, come join us on those shenanigans because mm-hmm. they're a good time. They were. All right. What are we? What are we talking about? Uh, so <clears throat> we're talking about Miss Cindy James. This was another recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my childhood best friends, Angela. She recommended this case to me, and I did some research on it, and it was like, oh, I can't really find much. I don't know how I'm gonna like do a story out of all this all i had was basically like wikipedia and i hate using wikipedia because they have so many incorrect yeah you have facts and stories you have to double check the sources because sometimes the sources are just like the they 
or like it says a person's name. Yeah. Like there were a few things that I did get information off of Wikipedia for. And I do like that they they have like uncertain things that are in there that they have the sources of where you can get that information. And I did have to be like, and eh, Joe Schmo, I can't I can't trust you. No. But she found the story <clears throat> on, I guess, TikTok. So oh. after looking into it some, this story was actually on Unsolved Mysteries. Ooh. So, of course, I watched that. This is like a brief like clip. It didn't really give a whole lot. Oh, okay. But it was kind of cool to see like some like faces and pictures to the actual story. Mm-hmm. But this one did take some digging. And I did want to acknowledge the sources that I got them from because I really... Oh, guys, sorry. <laughs> My tablet's making noises. Hold up. It's like chiming in on the conversation. It wants to be part of the show. I thought I turned that off. Evidently, I I did not. That's hilarious. But I want to get recognition to the people who had really, really outdone a lot of their research, which I got to use for my research. And I just want to acknowledge, you know, Nightfall on YouTube. I watched that. It's a two-part, like, episode thing. It was really well done. Nightfall, Nightfall, Nightfall. Why does that sound familiar? I don't know. It's not, like, another podcast or anything. Is there the guy? He's got, like, a crazy accent. Yes. Oh, yes. I've watched a lot of his stuff. Some of his stuff you have to... I did. He does really, really well. And some of it that he's done, it was, like, mm, you're missing some information and you're wrong on your information. Well, Cindy James, he really went into it. And yeah. a lot of it, like, everything was, like, word for word. You That's know, awesome. Really yeah, he can it. he can do really great on some of his stuff. Majority of his stuff is really, mm-hmm. really good. And, of course, Unsolved Mysteries, watch that. Um, there was also an article that was really good from Stories of the Unsolved. I've heard of that. I haven't heard of it before. I, I started, you know, digging through their website. Okay. But um, they had a lot of great information, too. And then, of course, there was actually many um, Canadian newspaper articles mm-hmm. about this case online. And reading those yeah, were really the story, fascinating. The story takes place in Canada. Yes, it does. Good old Canada. I think this is our first one, too. This is the first. So we're venturing out of the U.S. guys again. But, yeah, it was it was refreshing because I was like, I don't know. Wikipedia <clears throat> had so many different things. And yeah. I was like, mm, I don't want to trust this. Yeah, so. you, do have to, you do have to cross-reference sometimes mm-hmm. with Wikipedia. Well, the thing about Wikipedia, you or I can go on there and add to anything. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the downer about Wikipedia. Like, Wikipedia was, I feel, like... It had great intentions, but then they opened it to people editing, mm-hmm. and that's when things got messed up. Yeah. So you have to really, like, check what you're writing about. Yeah, because I've even known in some of our other cases and researching, I was like, that's not right. Mm-hmm. That's not right. Yeah. <laughs> so it was refreshing to have those people doing their research, because it's hard to find anything on because it's not a really well-known case. And the fact that it is in Canada makes it even a little bit harder to find anything on it. Mm-hmm. But shall we get into the story? Let's get into these shenanigans. Okay. Well, May 25th, 1989. 1989. That's very recent. Mm-hmm. Sydney disappeared. She was expected by friends that night to join them for like a bridge a bridge game, the card game. Mm-hmm. How old is she? Did they say how old she was when she disappeared? Mm, I can't remember. She was in her <laughs> mid-40s. Okay. But 
her friends are supposed to come over around like 10 o'clock and That's join her a in a late night game. My pa- grandparents would play it that late with their friends. Okay. So, I don't know. Maybe it's just a thing. But upon arriving, her friends Agnes and Tom, who were married, noticed her car wasn't in the driveway and no one was answering the door. Now, given her past, which we'll go into in a moment, they were kind of freaking out and worried that they hadn't seen or heard from her. And Sydney had gone through almost seven years of harassment and torment. Oh, no. So they were very much so alarmed by this. Yeah. So they went to go to local authorities because, again, cell phones aren't big yet. So they went down the street to go to local authorities. But on the way, uh, Agnes kind of got like a like a little hunch and decided to stop at the local shopping mall where she knew Sydney banked and knew that she had planned to go there earlier that day just to, you know, maybe see. Mm-hmm. And they found Sydney's car at the local shopping mall by the bank. So, of course, they immediately rush to the police department because Sydney's not near the car. She's not in the car. Nowhere, nowhere around there. Right. So the police then go to Sydney's location of the car and they find blood on the driver's side door handle. Oh, gosh. And also her purse was left on the front seat. There was four bags of groceries in there and a wrapped present. And evidently she had been planning on going to a birthday party, I guess, for one of her friend's sons later that week. Hmm. And then this was really odd, too. Her wallet, bank card, and a deposit receipt from 7.58 p.m. was found under her car. Not in it. Under. That is weird. So her wallet and her banking card were left behind. Mm-hmm. And then a deposit receipt. Mm-hmm. 7.50 p.m. Wow. Their banks are open late. What was ATM receipt? Oh, an eight. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you deposit the money in the ATM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they they did spend. This is, takes place in Vancouver, mm-hmm. but they did spend a lot of money trying to find Cindy, and they could not find her anywhere. I mean, there was helicopter searches. There was you know loads wow. of people going out yeah. looking for. Her. Nobody could find her. But two weeks later, on June eighth, nineteen eighty nine. She was found in the yard of an abandoned house. Alive? No. Um. Her lifeless body was actually laying on top of a male's denim jacket, and it was about a mile and a half from where her car was found. Just soak all this up in, because it's all going to come back around. Of course. Okay, so she, two weeks later, was, was found after she mm-hmm. went... Reported missing. Yes. And she was found on top of a men's denim coat. Mm -hmm. Was she clothed? She was. Oh, that's so weird. Now, her wrist and feet were bound behind her back, and there was a nylon stocking wrapped around her throat. Okay. And the autopsy reported a needle mark on her right arm, and the toxicology report showed that she had morphine, Florazepam, and it was about like five other drugs in her system. Shit. She had been drugged with the intent to kill. Yeah. And then on top of that, she was strangled too. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. 
So you have that tidbit, right? Yeah. So now I have to tell you about Sydney, who she was, what she went through. And guys, you're either going to take a side where, you know, it's going to go one way or the other. And I'm very interested to see Ooh. how Missy reacts we to got, this. So we got a debating theory with this case. Yes. Okay. Okay. So Cynthia Elizabeth Hack was born June 12th, 1944 in British Columbia, Canada. Okay. Her parents were Matilda and Otto Hack. Matilda was a stay-at-home mother to six children. Mm. And Otto was a colonel in the Royal Canadian Air Force. Oh. Mm -hmm. Cindy was the oldest. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) She was known to be humorous, warm, bright person. Everybody loved her. And she was very, very close with her siblings. As far as I gathered, the whole entire family is pretty close. But um, she took her older sister role very seriously. Hmm. Now, according to Sydney, and this was from diary entries that she was always complaining because her father was very strict and like to use corporal punishment mm-hmm. as means to discipline, which doesn't surprise me concerning the military. I was going to say his, his job is just. Mm-hmm. And of course, military, they moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. And in 1962, Otto was actually restationed in France. Ooh, fun. So the whole family is going to move. But Sydney actually refused. And at this point, she's 18 now. Yeah. So she stays behind in Vancouver and enrolls in nursing school. Okay. There, she supposedly met an intern who she was evidently madly in love with. Mm. But... She never said anything to anybody about this man. She didn't tell her parents on any of her visits to her family in France, not in her letters, not until she wrote them stating that he had killed himself or himself on their skiing trip after finding out he had terminal cancer. The hell? Yeah. I. And she never brought a name to this mystery man. Is he real? Exactly. It makes you wonder. Is he is he real? Yeah. Because I'm sorry. You, you, when you're in love with somebody, you, mm-hmm. you're talking about them. You're, yep. You want everybody to know who that person is. So that was like 1962. Madly in love with this guy that she's supposedly marrying. It was her fiance. Oh, they and were then, even engaged? Yeah. Okay. So and then gonna... he just kills himself because he has terminal cancer. I think that would like take me some time to like get over Granted, this happens three years later, but in 1965, she meets a man named Roy Makepeace. Okay, we have a name. Yes, this different man. Mm-hmm. He was a married South African psychiatrist. He's married? Mm-hmm. Married South African psychiatrist. Okay. Who, who is 18 years older than her. Okay. This is already a lot to absorb. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And we're only, like, 15 minutes in, guys. Not even. <laughs> Holy shit. So, a few months after Sydney's graduation, they actually married. In between that short amount of time, because she graduated in, on December 6, 1966. So, that short amount of time, he had divorced his wife. I guess divorces must have been a lot easier back in the day. <laughs> or they're easier in Canada. <laughs> you know. But... Of course, her parents were thrilled about it. No, and... it's like, <laughs> I just got the instant thought in my head of Elsa. Like, you can't marry a man you don't know. 
like, that's what she did. But they were worried more so because they were such a big age gap that it would cause issues. Um. And Sydney's father basically was more so worried because he <clears throat> saw Cindy as very gullible and naive. Clearly. So he thought Roy was just taking advantage of his daughter. Okay. Unfortunately, her parents' instincts were correct. Go figure. And it was known that their marriage was very troubled and the two at times were very distant. Aw. Yeah. Now, Cindy claimed that Roy was abusive and Roy claimed that he had only slapped Cindy twice. Which, guys, that's still abuse. So. Yeah, I was going to say. And after 16 years of marriage. 16 Damn. 16 years. Damn. Yeah. Cindy left Roy, and they divorced in 1982. Okay. But they were supposedly very close friends after their divorce, which still doesn't add up. Kind of like Mr. Dude in the skis. Yeah. Okay. So shortly after their divorce, Cindy started receiving harassing phone calls. It was from a caller she didn't recognize, and on one evening, Cindy had closed her drapes feeling that somebody was watching her. A few moments later, her phone rings. She answers it, and the voice comes back and says, there is no need to close your drape, Cindy. I still know you're in there. Ew. Yeah. Oh, fuck. It's like a... Oh, gosh. What's that movie? Like Scream? Kinda. Mm Mm-hmm. Cindy decided to report the calls to the police department, and the officer who responded was Pat McBride. Okay. They later became romantically involved. Cute. Mm Mm-hmm. Hopefully. He actually moved in with her. Okay. She thought it was a good idea. All these calls happening and whatnot. He's a cop. Mm -hmm. And he actually witnessed some of the calls. Oh, shit. Okay. So it's true. It was happening. And he was even able to trace one of them back to the Vancouver airport. Okay. But Cindy still had any idea who the raspy voice belonged to. At this point, she w- like she had questioned, was it Roy? But it didn't sound like Roy. Mm-hmm. So it was like kind of like immediately out the door. Well, that's weird because, well, I guess maybe that one call just happened to be that he might have been close by. Was there like a payphone nearby for him to make this phone call? Because if it's somebody is able to make a call and still see it in her home, unless he happened to like put in cameras, mm-hmm. like how did he know she closed the drapes? It had to have been a neighbor. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it it gets weirder. Oh, gosh. But Pat and Sonny didn't last long at all. Aw. He moved out. He's Pat. like, I'm I'm done with your bullshit <laughs> calls, waking me up this at is, 2 a.m. I got a job. This is too much. So, Sydney's all alone, all alone again now. Okay. And the caller now, of course, the calls have been happening all along. They yeah. kind of died down just a little bit but with sydney alone again whoever this mystery person is found new ways to torment her okay so over the next three months she reported prowlers outside her home bizarre notes left on her doorstep that were actually cut out of like magazines zodiac yeah or even black dahlia hey but what was even creepier was 
three dead cats were left in her yard, Ew. and one of them had one of those notes around its neck spelling out your next. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. I'd be like getting on the first flight to where my family's at. <laughs> yeah, moving to France. I'm out of here. You can come fucking find me out there, bitch. But on top of that, her phone line was constantly being severed. Uh, porch lights were smashed, and there was even an attack on her dog. And I think at one point in time, she came home to her all her pillows were slashed. I feel like I have heard this one before. Probably on Unsolved Mysteries. Probably, yeah, because I was on, I've, I've seen that. This sounds really familiar to me now. Carry on, please. So, the calls kept coming on top of all this. Mm-hmm. And there was even many witnesses confirming that this person was calling and that sometimes when Cindy would answer, there was nobody there. Creepy. Yep. But this was just, like, starting. This is only three months after. She went through this for almost seven years. Jeez. Yeah. I don't know who's more tenacious, her or the caller. Because, like, I wouldn't put up with it for that long. I would, like, I would move. I would change my number, something. I don't know who has that much devotion right. to keep doing that to somebody. That's why I said. Like, I don't know who's got more more tenacious, like, more whatever. Like, he, the, the caller... For seven years keeping up with this? Or mm-hmm. her for putting up with Like, that's a fucking patience. Mm-hmm. Well, J-Ray, 1983, <clears throat> Cindy's friend Agnes found Sydney outside. And she had a black nylon stocking around her neck. And it seemed like she was just coming to from what seemed an attack. Oh, yeah, I have heard this story. And when Agnes asked Sydney what happened, Sydney couldn't remember anything but that her attacker was wearing white sneakers. Mm-hmm. She said she had gone out to her garage to grab something when somebody just came up from behind and jumped her. Mm-hmm. And, of course, after this incident, she is now absolutely terrified. So she decides to move out of her house to a new home. Mm-hmm. She changes her last name to James. Mm-hmm. And she paints her car. Okay. And then she hires a PI, and this man's name is Ozzy Caban. That's a cool name. Mm-hmm. He's actually a really known, well, PI. Um, he's even worked with Dolly Parton. Oh. But he's also, his firm, I should say, <clears throat> his firm services politicians, celebrities, and even British royalties. Okay. So, big to do. Mm-hmm. As the police continued to investigate, they started becoming suspicious of Sydney, though. Mm-hmm. Sydney seemed to be withholding information from the police about her attacker, and Sydney didn't come across as a traumatized victim. Mm-hmm. So in the interview, she was just kind of nonchalant and wasn't, like, putting out any kind of information. That comes off as odd. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely heard this one. Oh, my gosh. But you're, like, giving stuff that, like, I didn't even know. It's, so that's really. I, you had to dig. Yeah. You had to dig, dig. Um, but more so, the cops are really confused as to why they didn't find any evidence. Like, there was nothing. Yeah, that is. They didn't find anything at all. That is weird. Of course, her parents are going to take up for her side. But her mother had said that. Cindy had confided in her and told her that she said the caller would threaten 
her family and would kill her mother and sister if she ever said anything. And again, Sydney's really close with her family, especially her siblings. Mm-hmm. So there's a theory as to why maybe Cindy just kept her mouth fucking shut. Right. January 30th, 1984. Ozzy, the PI, was listening to a two-way radio he shared with Sydney. And he started to hear some alarming noises. So immediately he drives over to her home and the front door is locked. And Sydney's not answering it. So he breaks into the house. He finds Sydney lying on the ground in the kitchen with a note pinned through her hand with a paring knife. Ozzy, of course, calls 911 and Sydney's taken to the hospital. But Sydney tells Ozzy she saw a man walk through her gate and the next thing she remembered, she was being hit on the side of the head with a piece of wood. Hmm. She then said that her attacker held her down and stuck a needle in her arm. She had a needle mark on her arm, but there were no drugs in her system. Okay. And on top of that, there was no evidence found. So, you're telling me Ozzy had to break into the house. Mm-hmm. The door was locked. All mm. the windows are locked. All the other doors are locked. How did somebody get into the house? Well, maybe she had it open and, you know, the killer or the attacker was just very generous and locked the door behind him. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. And at this point, she's like terrified. She's constantly locking doors. She's I'm closing sure she her is. drapes and whatnot. So it, it does seem, it seems a little odd. Yes. Though I can't imagine somebody stabbing their hand. Mm. But you never know. You don't. So, of course, again, the calls continue. And they're pretty brief, and um, investigators aren't able to trace them. They even had, at one point, you know, surveillance watching Cindy's house, waiting mm -hmm. for something. And, of course, her mom remarks, well, they're not going to do anything while you're there, of course. Which, they're she's right. Yeah. But, but you also have to keep in mind that these, they're not just, like, hanging out outside, like, in to, like, show everybody that they're there. Right. How would this person know that they were there? Right. So, nothing happened during that time they had surveillance, and it was called off. Mm-hmm. And almost a year after the second attack, Sydney was once again attacked for the third time, no, immediately she... after it was called off. No, what a quinky dinky. Mm -hmm. On December 11th, 1985, she was found lying in a ditch, semi-conscious, six miles from her home, and she had a black nylon stocking tied around her neck, a needle mark on her arm, and cuts and bruises. And she was only wearing a man's work boot and a glove. And of course, it's cold at this time. She was suffering from hypothermia. And as such with the previous attacks, she had no memory of what happened. Nothing. Okay. So she's of course worried about her own safety and asked Sydney and Agnes and Tom sorry, asked Agnes and Tom to come stay the night with her. Mm hmm That way she has some somebody else there with her. And they decided that they'll do it a couple nights a week just to make her, you know, feel better. Yeah. During their stays, the pair noticed weird things happening, such as the alarm going off and glass window in the basement going missing. And then on one particular time,
terrifying incident, April 1986, the basement was set on fire. What the hell? Yeah. Sydney woke up Tom and Agnes and said that she had heard a loud noise downstairs. And Tom said he also heard the same loud noise. So, of course, they go to search the house. And as they got to the basement, of course, they noticed heavy clouds of smoke. And somebody had set Sydney's basement on fire. Hmm. Of course, Tom goes to call the cops, but the line is dead. Hmm. So then he runs outside to search for help, at which time he notices a man standing on the curb. And when he asked him for help to call 911, the dude just ran off. Okay. So, of course, emergency crews are eventually contacted. And when they arrived on the scene, they found that it had appeared to have been staged. So there was no fingerprints, no signs of any break-in, not even the dust or the cobwebs on the windowsills had been disturbed. Gotcha. So I don't know who could have mysteriously just appeared in her house and just set everything ablaze without leaving anything behind. Not even like a residue as to how it started. Hmm. Now, Agnes and Tom, of course, took Sydney's defense and told authorities that she would never, ever, ever set fire to the house while they were inside of it. I mean, yeah, I can understand why they felt that way. It's their friend. They're doing her a salad by Mm -hmm. staying with her, you know, to make sure she feels like she's safe. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you'd be like, why would why would she try to harm us when we're trying to help her? But it's at this point when Sydney now decides to... Blame her ex-husband. What, Roy? Yeah. Okay. But, of course, Roy had a very airtight alibi. He was actually in South Africa the night of the fire. That's where he's from. Yeah. He he traveled back there and forth a lot. So, when I read about, like, the first phone call being traced by Pat Mm -hmm. to the airport, I was like, oh. Well, maybe it is him because he's at the airport all the time. Yeah, because he's traveling back and forth to South Africa. But he didn't set the fire. You Mm. can't tell me you have multiple people doing this. Right. Yeah. No, that wouldn't work. That's very true. So at this point, the police department had spent almost $2 million investigating Sydney's harassments and complaints. Yeah. Damn, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And despite all the work that went into the investigation, there was nothing coming out of it. There was no suspects ever named. There's no evidence. There's nothing. Mm -hmm. So, of course, they're accusing Cindy of something. Um, At this point, I completely understand why. Yeah, it, it does. It comes across as that way. Especially with her previous stories of some man that nobody's met. That just offed himself because of terminal cancer. Exactly. I mean, I couldn't believe a story of a man offing themselves because they have terminal cancer. Mm-hmm. However, you just, you don't get engaged to somebody and get and want to get married and they're the love of your life. And nobody's met him, not even your parents. Not they even, don't even know his fucking name. I was going to say, not even, I mean, I could totally understand why they didn't meet him. I mean, they're, they're in France. She's in, she's in Canada. But you don't have a fucking name? 
Yeah, nothing. That's the part that you don't got a, a name. Mm-hmm. You don't got a picture you can write a letter to them for. Like, no, that's sketch. So, I I know this probably did something to Cindy's mind. And she was starting to lose grip of reality and becoming severely depressed mm-hmm. due to the fact that authorities were blaming her for everything. Right. And that she was just staging it all for attention and, and this and that. Mm-hmm. She, I wouldn't say that she was suicidal, but she did come off that way. Mm-hmm. And she went as far as to try to just, like, starve herself to death, but it's not as, like, a means to, like, kill herself. It was more... Self-harm. Yeah. And I don't know whether it was to, again, like, put attention on herself. Mm-hmm. Or was she really in that mental state of where she was, like, terrified and depressed and just losing a grip? Hmm. But her doctor eventually has her committed to a local psychiatric ward. Um, and he he is afraid that she's going to hurt herself. Mm-hmm. And after the evaluation, they found no mental health issues, not even suicidal. Hmm. And that her unusual behavior was the result of police not believing her claims. Okay. So that came across to me as like... I'm not getting what I need, but I'll go to the doctors to prove that I'm not insane and this is actually happening and it's all due to the cop's fault now. So again, I'm just thinking that she's trying to point the finger at everybody else. Yeah. She remains in the hospital for 10 weeks and this is when she finally admits to her family that she definitely knows more than what she's letting on. Okay. Okay. So I was like, this is when I, okay, maybe she is telling the truth. October 26, 1988, when Cindy arrived home from work, she was in her carport when she was attacked from behind and was later found unconscious in her car. She was nude from the waist down and hogtied with a black nylon stocking tied around her neck. There was duct tape over her mouth. And I guess due to the severity of the attack, she actually fell into a coma. The fuck? So that's when I started thinking, like, like I can like I can see somebody harming themselves, but can somebody put themselves into a coma? I don't think so. That's Mm. like that's an extreme. Of course, against all odds, she survived. And in spring of 1989, Cindy reported the attacks seemed to be decreasing. And just five days before her disappearance, she wrote a letter to her younger sister, Melanie Hack, in which she said that she was beginning to feel optimistic. And of course, she couldn't have been more wrong, because as we know, back to May 25th, 1989, Sydney was attacked and her dead body was left in the yard of an abandoned house. Mm-hmm. A memorial service was held on June 14, 1989. Investigators used hidden cameras to record the faces and license plates of everyone in attendance. Sounds like the situation would be at just six. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
and police came out publicly and said that they were investigating a homicide. They believed Sydney had actually died, though, by suicide. Mm-hmm. So back to the crime scene. Remember, she was like, wrists were bound behind her back, and her feet were tied behind her back. So was she hog-tied? Not quite. You didn't have that middle string coming down. Then how are her feet tied behind her back? Because it was like almost like in the situation, like, I guess what she was like left, the way they were tied. It's not how if I was tying my own self up, I wouldn't tie my feet like that. Does that make sense? Okay. If I had photos to show you, I would. I'll have to show them to you later. Okay. I'll have to show the toasties too. Yes, toasties. You'll you'll get your photos so that when, you know, the reel comes out for it, you guys can make your your comments on this yes <laughs> um but of course this leaked to the media and this fucking pissed her parents off to no end especially Otto. i love that name yeah i do too i just when i saw it, i was like oh sons of anarchy i didn't go that route oh i've never seen it what you gotta watch it i had so many people asking me if i named my son jackson because of that show and i was like i've never even seen it i still to this day i've never seen it it's a good show I haven't watched any of the spinoffs, but back to the story. Yes. Sidetrack. Sorry, guys. So, an attempt to prove that Cindy killed herself, the cops actually visited Richmond General Hospital, where she worked, to see if she, if any medications were missing. Mm-hmm. Because she had easy access to them. And remember, she had all those drugs in her system. Mm-hmm. While she was a nurse there, she didn't have any access to those drugs, though. But they did learn that she was known to hoard drugs that were prescribed to her. So, one theory is, well, what if at one point from one of her attacks to deal with the pain, she was put on morphine and she hoarded it? Ah. So that could have been a thing, too. stabbed in her hand. I'm sure mm-hmm. she got morphine for that. Yeah. So... Pat and Roy, of course, were investigated and cleared on any involvement in the case. And the man who ran away from Tom on the night of the basement fire was never identified. But the cops claimed they interviewed over 80 witnesses. And it became to be known as the longest and most expensive investigation in British Columbia. Well, I mean, seven years. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a long fucking time. Especially for, you gotta think, because she's probably calling the cops for every, like, phone call and whatnot, too. Every phone call, every twitch of the window, I'm sure she was Mm -hmm. calling somebody. It was almost a hundred incidents that Cindy had filed Hmm. with the cops. So, an ophthalmologist took the stand at Cindy's, like, trial um, to say that Cindy's body had been likely where it was since June 2nd, 1989, meaning there was one week where her whereabouts remain unaccounted for. Okay. And following the testimonies, the jury determined Cindy had died on an unknown event and thus classified her death as undetermined. And the official investigation to Cindy's death was closed. That July 1989. She, her body was discovered in June. 
They was, were they were done. Yeah, they were done. They're like, oh gosh, I, I we're done. We've been trying to figure this shit out before it happened. It happened. We're mm-hmm. done. We can't. Well, despite what you know, of course, the police and the jury say, Cindy's parents continue to believe that she was murdered, and that's when, of course, she begins to appear on the episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Um, Otto and Matilda both spoke on there. And you could tell that they were both severely pissed off with the police department. And Otto, um, quoting him, the police did not investigate the possibility of homicide of someone murdering her, but zeroed in on trying to prove that she committed suicide. I mean, as a parent, I can completely understand that that feeling. Mm-hmm. I really could. I'll get my I've got I've got it. I got some things in my head, but I want to make sure I do not skip over any more information you need to get before I give my two cents. Well, he also voiced very strongly that he didn't believe that she would have been able to tie herself up and especially after ingesting so many drugs. However, a medical professional claimed otherwise. Okay. Saying that it could have taken between 15 minutes to an hour for the drugs to take effect. Mm Mm-hmm. While a not-tying expert said it would have only taken Cindy three minutes to tie herself up in that manner, which she was found. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, if I could do that sober. Nonetheless, on all those drugs. Right. And I know they're saying maybe, like, 15 minutes to an hour, but there's no way. All those drugs all at once hitting your system? Mm-hmm. It had to have been sooner than that. Mm, I'm not going to get my two cents until you're ready for okay. it. Okay. You got to let right. me, you have to tell me when you're ready for it because I've got my, I got it. All right. Well, her family also argued that there was no way her body could have been there where it was for so long. As the home was located on a busy road where somebody would have probably noticed her. And not only that, there was supposedly a, a construction worker living in his van near the scene, mm-hmm. he would have smelt something. Fair. Especially because um, Environment Canada, this is like their weather thing, should it have been unusually warm around that time of the when Cindy went missing. Okay. So, of course, somebody's going to smell something. And not only that, animals are going to start feeding on her body. Eyes are the first to go. So, in 1992, Ozzy, the private investigator, and another private investigator, Wally Christensen, spoke to the Vancouver Sun about their belief that Cindy had been murdered. Mm-hmm. So, they did their own, like, little investigation into it. And, of course, in the article, they cited the above normal temperatures, as well as the fact that it had rained between May 25th and 27th in 1989. Mm-hmm. And not only had one not notice the smell of the decomposing body, but also about the construction worker living in the van and that there was also no dust or dew found on her remains. Mm-hmm. As well as there's no sign of animal activity. Okay. They also spoke of the cleanliness of the shoes she was found wearing. This struck them as odd as one would assume any clothing left out in the elements would show signs of dirt or wear. Mm-hmm. And speaking... In the newspaper article, Ozzy quoting him, the shoes were like they had been polished, totally clean and spotless. 
that shows us that the shoes were not there for any length of time. Right. And other items not brought before the coroner's jury were also discussed. Ozzy brought up the fact that Sydney's slacks and underwear had been removed in previous five attacks. This appeared to have occurred during death as well, with Ozzy claiming that the evidence showed no body secretions on the pants, despite some being present on her pantyhose and underwear. Mm. So, even though she was found with her clothes on, Mm -hmm. at some point they were taken off. Mm -hmm. Finally, the pair discussed the jacket found under the body. While police had reported folded it was folded neatly and had actually been crumpled up, signaling that it had been dropped. So when they're presenting this case to the jury, they said it was just neatly folded under Sydney. Okay. This led Ozzy and Christian to theorize that Sydney was killed elsewhere and carried to the abandoned house in the jacket, likely six to eight hours prior to her body being discovered. Hmm. So, years after Cindy's death, Pat, the cop, Mm -hmm. has actually been convicted of two accounts of sexual assault. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, I didn't know that one. Okay. Okay. Um, Now, Roy and Cindy's parents are both deceased. Her sister, Melanie Hack, has spent years trying to find her sister's murder and has even wrote a book about her sister's torture leading up to the death. I really want to read this book and see if there's anything like that I couldn't find or miss. So that, cause now I've got to know, I've got to know everything to figure out. Cause I'm like, I'm on the fence. Right. But the book is called who killed my sister, my friend. They obviously, she obviously did write to her. Cause mm-hmm. you said there was a letter. Yeah. She still kept in touch with her family over the years. Right. But there was a letter that was written to her saying she's feeling optimistic. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, though, you know, I don't know if she phoned her parents or if it was only through letters that she had spoke with her parents. But I'm wondering if this one sibling she made sure to write to, I wonder if she might have a little extra evidence that she wasn't allowed to give because, again, it was if you tell anybody I'm killing your family. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I want to buy the books, like, you know, maybe get a different insight to this because I'm torn either way. Okay. Um, But, of course, after seven years of harassment and almost 100 reported incidents, Cindy is finally at peace. Her death remains to be an unsolved mystery. And there's many people actually still researching her death to this very day. Yeah. So I encourage anybody with information regarding this case, they can contact Crime Stoppers Anonymously at one 800 222-8477 or you can actually contact Melanie directly at melaniehack at gmail.com yeah guys and that's what all we have about Cindy so far now I can tell you there was saw a lot of rumors on there about her um, mental health I couldn't find any facts about it but that she was diagnosed later on with multiple personality disorder mm-hmm um, and that maybe, like, her alter personality did this to her. That mm-hmm. was a theory. Mm-hmm. But, again, I couldn't find any facts. It was just said in, like, these, some 
forum type things. Forums or other podcasts I was listening to. But I didn't want to take that because I, I didn't read it for my own words by an incredible, you know, source. Right. But there was a lot of other, like, small details, I think, that other people had added in. But looking back, get a little personal now, I have a mother with schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And she frequently does things like this, too. Mm-hmm. Especially when she's not medicated. So I think that's why I'm so on the fence about it. Like, it could be possible. It very well could be possible. I've seen my own mother do stupid stuff to herself. Right. So. I was going to say, I need to hear now what you're on the fence on. I need to hear also yours before I, I go into mine. Part of me wants to say that she was murdered. Mm-hmm. The other part of me, I want to say I'm more so leaning with that Cindy did stage her death. And she did do this to herself and she manipulated the people around her because um, I feel like she was reaching out and grabbing for attention because, again, she was always the eldest and she wrote in her diaries how, you know, daddy, you know, mm-hmm. was using corporal punishment and he put all the chores on her. And it was just this little stuff and that she wanted the attention. And again, with her even at 18, having this man that nobody knows about, but then she writes this dramatic s- story Mm-hmm. It just kind of like seems to me it's it's the attention that she lives for, mm-hmm. the adrenaline that she gets from it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going with probably about 70 percent of me wants to say that she staged it. Okay. All right. What do you got? You got me. Okay. All right. This is the '80s. Mental mm-hmm. health is not a thing that is taken serious no, whatsoever. Not. There's barely diagnoses out mm-hmm. there barely people are barely unless you are like a menace to society of your health your mental health like you're running around screaming about the green man chasing you depression anxiety i mean even schizophrenia is i mean that's around the time reagan closed all the mental institutions it's just it wasn't taken seriously whatsoever i I remember that I now remember this story. I do. Um, and I, I think she did it. I do. Right. I do. I've always, I've always thought she did it. And I'm so sorry to the family to be the, to be the person to, to jump on that bandwagon because the part that concerns me the most is the fact that she was in a facility that could have helped her. Mm-hmm. But I also want to know why they keep her for 10 weeks. If they didn't think she was a harm. Why'd they keep her so long? Why'd they keep her so fucking long? What? Why? That doesn't make sense. Now, yes, Reagan did close things. However, this is Canada. He had no control over that. Oh, no. I was just referring to the fact that it wasn't a big deal because it wasn't. No, it wasn't. If it was, we wouldn't have closed down the mental institutions. Exactly. But they were so concerned about, like, fucking syphilis. Because syphilis can make you go fucking nuts. Mm -hmm. Like shit like that and it was i mean drugs were still a really big thing i think she was Mm self-medicating hence the needle marks in her arm Mm -hmm. um i think there might have been either a multiple personality thing or even schizophrenia going on here and she didn't 
I don't think she realized what she was yeah. doing. And with multiple personality or even a borderline personality, you disassociate mm-hmm. with borderline personality. You disassociate. You go in moments. You don't remember what happened mm-hmm. because you're so disassociated in what just happened. Trust me, I know all too well. Growing up with, you know, my yeah. mother, it was it was a nightmare. And again, she did self-medicate with drugs that all kinds of doctors were just handing out and giving to her because right. they thought she had something else. Right. And I mean, the coma thing, I, I, stress alone, if you don't address it and take care of it, it will make you fucking sick it'll make you think you're dying of fucking kidney Mm -hmm. failure because you're so stressed out so i think she could actually put herself almost into some type of coma i didn't see any kind of like i don't think she had borderline personality disorder i can totally see schizophrenia i could see schizophrenia and i can see i can see a little bit of borderline personality disorder because of the trauma from her father Though he, I do get the impression he loved her. He really loved her. Mm-hmm. He doesn't see the effects of like the corporal punishment on the eldest child. Mm-hmm. And that is traumatic. Yes. And that can trigger that borderline personality disorder into somebody because they then become almost like reliant on acceptance. Now, she also like, because I read a couple, like, forums on Reddit that where they were talking about what she was just known to be this, like, really just sweet person. Mm-hmm. Like, how could she do that? She even worked at, a, like, a children's hospital of some sort with um, kids with special abilities and whatnot. I mean, come on, guys. Everybody says that the person who kills themselves, that's the first thing everybody says is, they were so sweet. They were so kind. They were so happy. Well, that's all I've been told about my mother my whole entire life because I didn't get to know her. Mm-hmm. the person that she was before and they couldn't understand it what made her flip like flip the switch where she was just this very like sweet outgoing person mm-hmm. popular with everybody was involved in everything mm-hmm. to this person that's always on the run because somebody's after her and she fully believes it just like i believe cindy fully believed it and but that's I the thing think that she did it to herself I think she did do it. I do believe she thinks somebody was after her. I think with the history of Pat and his sexual assaults things, the I'm he might have raped her, and that that could be a thing. That could have been one I of. I hate the to t- put that on anybody, but like I feel like at that point, if that would have happened, I think she was still more so aware. That she would have spoke out more or maybe not. I'm not sure. I think I, I don't I don't know. I do believe she did it to herself, but I think she There was many things in her life that I think there triggered was, moments. I think there was yeah. I mean I would like to know what was going on the days of some of these attacks. Mm-hmm. The only thing that you can't explain is Pat was in the home when these calls happen. Mm-hmm. So who did. I don't think she was alone. I think she had someone play her game with her. At the same time for the attention. I think originally it was an attention grab. And I think that it got too real. 
mm-hmm. that she may have forgot that this was just an attention grab and it became real to her. Yeah, and that was another theory that I read that she had these calls set up either by a friend or, you know, just had paid somebody to call her house at these times to prove that she wasn't insane. Right. Which Maybe gets... not necessarily for attention, but just to prove that she's not insane. Because that's, that's... Yeah, cause that's the only thing that I could think of that you gotta, you gotta, I couldn't think. If somebody was in the home and witnessed the calls. Mm-hmm. Now, although... I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the, he could have witnessed the calls, but did he answer the phone himself and hear these voices on the other end? I'm assuming he did. He was he was tracing them, but they all ended so abruptly. They didn't last long enough. The only one that he could get to was trace to the airport. Which it could have been Roy calling from the airport because you said that they were friends. Yeah, but you think he would try for a second attempt to call back if he was trying to Pay check phone? on her? Yeah, but you can still call back. Yeah, you could, but it's a payphone. I mean, do you have more change? Do you have that time? Do you got to get to a flight? I mean, the convenience of calling people is not what it is today. It's real easy to pick up a phone and call somebody today because we have one attached uh, as an extension of our Mm -hmm. fucking hand every fucking day. Mm -hmm. You don't have that back in the 80s. You got a payphone Mm -hmm. or a landline and you hope to goodness nobody else is using it. So I, I just, I think she did it herself, but I also believe there was some heavy, heavy mental health stuff going on and. Oh, most definitely. I do believe that. The part that I would love to get more information on, why did they keep her so long if they felt like there was no issues? What made them keep her? I don't know. I don't know what Canada does. I don't know if it's any different than what we do. I guess I should have looked into that a little bit more, but. But could you? I mean, it was already hard to get the information you got today. Yeah. So could you? Probably not, but. Right. That would, that would be my question. That would be the biggest one. That one. I hope someone looked into that. If you didn't think she was a threat to herself or others around. Ten weeks. Is that just standard at the time or Why? Or did she say they didn't see anything wrong with her, but nobody actually looked into it? No, it was reported that. Okay. I mean, she was uh, sorry, she was treated for a depression. Of course, she would have depression after all that. But it was no, like, big mental health concerns. I just, that's where I'm, I am stuck on right now, though, is like. 10 weeks that's the why why were you there 10 weeks what was holding you there for 10 weeks if they thought yeah you're a little depressed but you're you're not a harm to yourself or society yeah there might maybe she did have the multiple personality disorder and that's not a rumor but i couldn't like i said i couldn't find any actual facts on it i think there's i i i think there's a lot of mental health issues that were in this at play here i and i mean seven years is a long time to practice knots Mm -hmm. and every scene was kind of the same Mm -hmm. they did say that they tried to like search her house for like black pantyhose and whatnot i did read that was like found or never found any i did read that i mean like i said i just find out none of her money was stolen Mm -mm. 
None of her money was stolen when she went missing. The one that also trips me up is that she was found in her um, carport with her pants off mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. tied up and stuff like that. Someone would see somebody doing that. And carports aren't covered. No. They're wide open. Someone's going to see something happen in your carport. You would think so. I mean, I don't know what her neighborhood looked like as far as I was concerned. Like, it's Vancouver. It's, like, pretty much suburb. Yeah. So, someone's going to see that. They're going to they're gonna see that and they're going to be like, um, what the fuck are you guys doing? You would think so. But if she did it herself. Another, another theory that I read on Reddit was that somebody was convinced that Agnes helped her do it all along. Her best friend. That could be. So there's many, many theories out there. I would still like to read the book to kind of see the yeah. other side. I would love um, to read the book. I'm sure she probably has some more information on that that we still can't get. Mm-hmm. And... I really want... That's my... I'm stuck on... I want to know why they kept her 10 weeks. Do not know. I don't know. I don't know. But toasties, you guys need to follow us and share what you think. Yeah, toasties. Get on our Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Let us know your thoughts. This is a this is a doozy. I'll I'll like... This is a mind one. Kind of like our last episode, Amityville. That Mm -hmm. was... You know, my I, my theory on that one was I don't think the house is haunted. I think we think the person yeah. was haunted. But not the house. But not the house. So was she really being harassed by a person? Was she being harassed by herself? herself? Let us know what you guys think. Make sure you guys go follow us and like and comment and share and hit that little bell. I want to always <laughs> remind the people of the bell. I knew the bell was coming. Yeah. <laughs> It's useful. <laughs> I always thought that was funny when, you know, they'd be like, hit the little bell. I'm like, fuck your bell, bitch. <laughs> and now I'm like, hit that bell, guys. <laughs> Slap that like button. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maybe we'll have to have a live soon to discuss it. Everybody can come follow us and we can debate. Ooh. That'd be fun, y'all. After you get the book and you read it. Okay. We'll have to come back. We'll have to do it. We'll have to do the, the live. And I'm getting the book about Roger. So we, we definitely can, need a follow up. We'll be doing a live. Yeah, guys. So, yeah, we owe you guys a follow up. Yeah. You guys need to then um, definitely make sure you like and follow and share. So you guys know when that live is coming because we'll be posting about it to let you know. Absolutely. And uh, if you if Queen Toasty is back on there, you guys will know how much of fun it is because <laughs> she was amazing. And we had other great Toasties on there. The other two that were on there was amazing. Mm-hmm. We called them King Toasty and Night Night Toasty. Is that what we called them? Yeah, I think it was a night. Yeah, we went a royal theme that night. It was yeah. great. <laughs> so make sure you guys are following us. And uh, until next time, guys, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.